Welcome to this webinar series, Physical Activity Researcher Podcast and International Society for Physical Activity and Health, ISPA, have started a collaboration. We have edited their webinars to audio-only podcast versions, so you can listen them also on the go. Some of the talks refer quite a bit to the slides, so if you want to later check them also, you can find the webinar versions on ISPA's YouTube channel. Our mission is to advance science and share scientific knowledge, so if your organization has relevant webinars or lectures and would like to get more audience to them, please let us know. But without further ado, let's jump to the webinar. I'm going to introduce our first speaker, Dr. Jen Blankenship. She is a PhD from the she has a PhD from the University of Massachusetts and completed her postdoctoral training at the University of Colorado. She is a clinical scientist with expertise in applying wearable and connected technologies to understand the impact of sedentary behaviors and activity on cardiometabolic disease risk in a range of clinical populations. Hi, my name is Jen Blankenship, and I'm a clinical scientist at VivoSense, a science and analytics company specializing in using wearable monitoring technologies. I am going to talk to you today about how to record and measure sedentary behaviors. Sedentary behavior is an incredibly important lifestyle factor in modern society. We know that sedentary behavior is very common and prevalent throughout our daily routines. We sit a lot at our desks at work, we sit for leisure, and it's um, associated with a lot of poor health outcomes, including increased risk for obesity, cancer, cardiovascular disease, and diabetes. Broadly, we know that sedentary behavior is really bad for health, but we're still trying to understand how modifying the accumulation of sedentary behavior and how reducing it impacts health outcomes in a variety of populations. Central to these questions is measurement of sedentary behavior. We need to make sure that we're using the right tools to measure this lifestyle factor to better understand its health impacts and guide future health guidelines. So today we're going to talk about how you go about measuring sedentary behavior. We'll begin today's discussion by defining sedentary behavior and understanding the key components of that definition that are measurable with tools that are available today. We'll then go into common sedentary behavior measurement approaches and the advantages and disadvantages of those approaches. And we'll end by uh, posing some questions to you that you should ask yourself as you're deciding on the tool to use to measure sedentary behavior for your population. Now, before we start talking about the actual measurement of sedentary behavior, I think it's important we set the stage and uh, agree on some context. So historically, there was a lot of ambiguity in how sedentary behavior was actually defined by researchers. And this was recognized by a lot of um, a lot of researchers in the field. And so the Sedentary Behavior Research Network was born. For those of you not familiar with this, it is an organization uh, compiled of a bunch of researchers and health professionals who are focused on specifically the health impacts of sedentary behavior. And they convened an expert panel to 
define what sedentary behavior is to allow for effective crosstalk between disciplines. The definition agreed upon by this expert group is that sedentary behavior is comprised of three main components. It's on any waking behavior that has a low energy expenditure, less than 1.5 mets, performed in a seated, reclined, or lying position. So these components are really important to think about as we understand and uh, decide on the tool used to measure sedentary behavior. Anytime we talk about measurement tools, it's important to remember that one size does not fit all. There's not going to be one tool that's perfect for every population in every context and every question. The selection of your measurement tool for sedentary behavior or any variable for that matter is going to depend on many factors from the population that you're studying to the outcome measure that you're most interested in. Today we'll talk about tools that are available to you to measure sedentary behavior and uh, think about as we're going through this, the questions you are most interested in to decide which tool is most appropriate for you. There are a lot of tools available to measure sedentary behavior. Today we're going to focus on two major uh, approaches, self-reported measures through validated questionnaires and objective monitoring of sedentary behavior. And this can be broken out um, into consumer grade devices and research grade devices worn on different body locations. And we'll discuss the impact of these different device types and wear locations on the actual measurement of sedentary behavior and your outcomes. We're going to start the discussion today with self-reported questionnaires. And I think a lot of people will tend to blow right past these as an option to measure sedentary behavior. But there's a lot of value in using these kinds of questionnaires because they can provide context to why someone is sedentary. Maybe it's an acute illness or injury or their occupation leads them to spend lots of time um, sitting at their desk and uh, or perhaps they're not motivated or they live in an environment where it's not safe to go outside and walk around. All of these factors go in to drive someone's decision to either be sedentary or not. Of course, with any subjective measure, there is error, and there will be error with any tool that you use to measure sedentary behavior. In this case, with validated, even validated questionnaires, you're asking someone to remember something that happens most of their day. So it can be really difficult to remember um, mundane events like how much time did you spend sitting at your desk? Uh, it's a lot easier for people to remember structured events that don't happen very often, like when did you exercise today or did you even exercise? That being said, there are a lot of questionnaires available to measure sedentary behavior, and the, the exact one that is appropriate for your population is going to be different and dependent on lots of factors, as I've previously alluded to. The Sedentary Behavior Research Network has um, a, a section of their website dedicated to subjective questionnaires and validated tools, which I'd encourage you to visit if you're interested in using this kind of measurement tool to, for sedentary behavior measurement in your study. Commercially available wearable sensors like 
Fitbits or Apple Watches or Aura Ring are also an interesting way to add sedentary behavior measurement to your research study. And I think that there is a place for these tools in, in research. The um, wearable market has exploded in the last decade and resulted in a lot of different types of devices that come in different form factors, all at different price points. Some people already use these devices um, and really enjoy uh, having them in their lives. So this is potentially a very cost effective tool to add a layer of objective measurement of sedentary behavior to your research study. That being said, you need to be aware that most of these devices aren't going to give you an acceleration signal. Um, you're going to get the summary outcome measure that you might be interested in, like time spent sedentary. But how that device takes the raw acceleration signals and turns it into your outcome measure is unknown. You don't know the algorithms. Those are often kept proprietary. Um, and you also may not know whether that algorithm and the data processing methods uh, are the same throughout the life cycle or the life course of your study. And so this is something that is potentially um, uh, problematic if you have a longitudinal study where you're collecting data over years at a time or even a single year. We know that the pace of research and the pace of a consumer demand are very different. So um, at the start of a study, you may begin with the hottest type of um, device. But by the end of your study, that device might be obsolete. Beyond that, we have researchers who are working hard to validate these commercially available tools. But the challenge is that by the time that the study is finished and the data are published in peer-reviewed manuscripts, those devices are often obsolete. So this paper um, that I'm cited here is from 2020, which validated the Apple Watch 4. And it's 2021 now, one year later, and Apple is getting ready to release the Apple Watch 7. So these are things you need to consider, not deal breakers, but factors to keep in mind if you're going with a commercially available wearable sensor. Research grade accelerometers have been used for decades to measure physical activity and sedentary behavior. There's a lot of different places that these devices can be worn. And the simple answer is that there's no perfect answer for where you should put your monitor on a participant. But the wear location will dramatically impact the accuracy of measuring sedentary behavior. So in a study by Marcotte and colleagues, they looked at 48 young adults wearing accelerometers on the wrist and the hip. And they process their data using 13 different approaches from simple cut points to machine learning techniques. Broadly, if, uh, and these uh, data were from the accelerometers were compared to direct observation. So what they looked at is the percent agreement um, for uh, correct classification of sedentary behavior by the accelerometer compared to direct observation. And if you look broadly at this table in that first column, the percent agreement is much higher at the hip location compared to the wrist location. And if you look within each uh, wear location, each row represents a different measurement or data processing technique. There's variability even within one wear location as to how accurate each sedentary behavior measurement is. 
So when you're thinking about research grade uh, monitors, you need to consider both where location and how your data are going to be processed. That being said, the risk location has become very popular in measuring sedentary behavior and other lifestyle factors because it's very um, people are used to wearing things on their wrist and there is high levels of adherence. So there is a balancing act between the accuracy and precision of your measurement and what people are willing to actually do. Research grade accelerometers are also worn, can also be worn directly on the thigh. This device, called the ActivePal, is a flat monitor that's worn on the midline of the thigh, directly on the skin, and has both an accelerometer and an inclinometer, which allows this device to differentiate body posture. So if someone is in a seated position, the monitor will be lying flat, and if they stand up, their leg will move and put their leg in an upright position. So as a result, this device can accurately quantify time spent sedentary, standing, and stepping. And because we can detect these different postures, we can get at questions like how many times does someone get up from sitting or break up their sitting? And how long are those sitting bouts actually? Now, one thing you need to consider is that the threshold that the device, um, the threshold for detecting a sitting or upright event can be changed. So the default is that a person needs to be in one body posture, either sitting or upright, for 10 seconds. And that period of time is called the minimum sitting upright period. But that number and that threshold can be modified and changed through these device settings. It might be something you want to consider when you think about different populations. So for example, this uh, graph is from a study of pediatric, po pediatric um, uh, population where they looked at the number of breaks per hour over the course of a day using different thresholds of sensitivity for detecting sitting or upright events. Now, if we think about how a pediatric population might move differently than, say, an adult population, their movement's a lot more sporadic and, and quick. And so using a lower threshold to detect a change in body posture might be more appropriate. And you can see with the solid line on this figure that a lower um, threshold results in detecting significantly more breaks in sitting per hour compared to the uh, default threshold, which is shown in that dotted line. Now, these types of settings are really important to consider as you um, if you choose this type of tool. The thigh-worn accelerometers are great at detecting sedentary behavior and breaks in sitting, but these there are things that can impact your measurement, and these are factors you need to consider up front at the beginning of a study. Now that we've discussed options to measure sedentary behavior, I want to leave you with a few questions to help guide which tool is right for you. Now, these questions aren't intended to be an exhaustive list, but rather important ones to get you started. So the first is what is what is it that you're trying to measure? Starting with the outcome you're most interested and then finding the tool that is best at measuring that thing is going to power you for the most success. Once you've selected your tool, understand whether it's been validated for your population. And if there are special considerations for your population um, in using that specific tool, 
is it feasible to ask your participants to wear a device for it as long as you want them to or answer questions as frequently as you're interested in? Are there other variables that may confound your ability to measure sedentary behavior? Like patients with heart failure tend to nap a lot. And is that going to how is that going to impact your ability to measure sedentary behavior? I hope that these questions and this talk has been helpful to give you some insight into the tools available to measure sedentary behavior and some things that you should think about as you decide on which tool to use. Thanks for your attention, and I look forward to answering any questions you might have in the question and answer session. Great, Jen. That was a great talk, teaching us all about sedentary behaviors and the right devices and algorithms and different ways of answering our research questions. Which commercial advice do you think is best to use in research? And I think a follow-up question with that is someone asked is, is there one that's best for measuring a daily step count? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. And, um, you know, I kind of always, I, I always go back to that, you know, best is really dependent on your application. So um, in terms of, you know, you can define best by, you know, what's the least expensive monitor that I can get to get a, a somewhat decent measurement. So I, I would, you know, I hate turning around the, the question to back to the person, but, you know, what is the level of um, accuracy that you're looking for and, and what's the error that you're willing to accept with a commercial monitor um, and, and these um, consumer grade devices, there's not, you don't have as much control over the output. So what may be validated to have a certain level of accuracy in uh, Fitbit today may not be the, what you get tomorrow because they can change things like algorithms that they use to output their steps or firmware um, and, and you just don't have control over that. So, you know, I think um, it's important if you're thinking about using uh, these types of devices um, that you you understand that it comes with a grain of salt, um, but it's probably going to be better than asking somebody, you know, how many steps did you take if you're interested in an objective device that um, people might be really happy to wear. Considering that, how transparent are these commercial devices, the companies that make these commercial devices? Do they like publish some information on their website or is there some place like a central resource to go and like try to figure out what's going on? but probably by your smile, I'm guessing that. Um, you know, I, I think that kind of information is, is really difficult. And um, you have to remember the context of uh, Apple and Fitbit and Garmin. They're all competing with each other and have a vested interest in keeping what they do under lock and key. Um, I think, you know, there are ways to get a little bit more information um, by contacting these uh, device companies. And um, there's often some kind of science team that that does this work. So um, I, I think it's difficult to get it uh, just by a, a search on, on the internet. Thank you. Do you have any thoughts on about placing an accelerometer on the ankle? Uh, it's an interesting wear location. Um, you know, in the context of sedentary behavior, I think it's um, you know, perhaps we have some better solutions uh, that are one acceptable to participants, which I think is a central question. You know, 
Are you going to, I don't wear anklets anymore, even for fashion. I don't know how many people are going to wear a, a big clunky device, even if it's a little bit small on their ankle. Um, you know, it, it can be an interesting location if you're interested in things like, you know, how quickly can, um, are people moving their uh, extremities? So this might be important for uh, particularly uh, clinical populations that have lower limb um, mobility problems. But in the context of sedentary behavior, I think you have other options. I mean, I haven't personally used it, um, but those would be my thoughts. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Researcher Podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever app you're using. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes, so be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.